Hello, I'm Nina Baxter. And I'm Jo Thompson. And welcome to our podcast, Rich Pickings. And it's very lovely to have you here again. Hello, my friend. Well, but I have to be honest with our listeners and say that sadly, although I am in the garden shed this week, you are not. I'm not in the garden shed. I am in, well, I don't know if it's the opposite of a garden shed, but I haven't got a garden. (laughs) You're in a palazzo. That's why. (laughs) I'm in Venice. I have got lots of water outside of my window. Oh, la bella Venezia. It is very lovely. I'm here. I've got a deadline. So what do I do? I take myself to the most distracting place in the world and shut myself away and write for seven hours solid every morning and then push myself out onto a kind of magical mystery tour every afternoon. Oh, it sounds absolutely blissful. And if anyone's been following Jo's progress on Instagram and the lives that she does, you'll see the absolutely beautiful, beautiful scenes and images of Venice as she gets lost among the streets. <laughs> oh, oh, you get lost every day. I mean, anybody who has been lucky enough to come to Venice will know that, that absolutely getting lost is 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 part of the point you do this is what I mean about pushing yourself out on a magical mystery tour you step out you think you're going in one direction and more often than not you're absolutely not and I had my proudest moment today when some Italians asked me in Italians to show them the way ah and did you could you oh I pretended (laughs) (laughs) well done Oh, yeah. Well, pretending is way better than um, having to admit you don't know where where you're sending them. (laughs) Absolutely. But can I just say that when I think of Venice, obviously, the first thing that comes to mind is not gardens, as you say, it's water. But you prove everybody wrong, don't you, with your your garden (laughs) explorations? Well, somebody did say to me the other day, uh, being a garden designer in Venice was like being a car mechanic in Venice. I was was slightly outraged by that. If you can be, can you be slightly outraged? Um, But the fact is that there are a huge amount of gardens. It's just most of them are secret or behind walls and you have to look up. There is even a tennis court squirreled away in in one of the little alleyways. So, I mean, it's not in the alleyway, it's off the alleyway. It's quite a big (laughs) tennis court. But there are lots of secrets here and that's the wonderful, magical thing about this city is that there are secrets. You're surrounded by secrets. You're surrounded by ghosts oh I'm getting all whimsical you are here. you are we need yeah know. absolutely this is what but happens just, you see like but I have to say <laughs> I struggle I struggle to get my head around well I struggle to get my head around the fact that Venice is even existing I mean it's you know basically built on mud but then oh. I struggle even more to understand how people garden on on practically no soil now, does it I work? have explained to you a new, on a number of occasions. I still, still can't how, get my head around it. How Venice works. I've even drawn you a picture. Yeah, yeah. But, and you know, I, I can't. You have to explain again. I think, actually, thinking back to that picture, which is on the Gardening Mind newsletter somewhere. I'll find it. I'll dig it out. I'll stick it on this, on this podcast as well, actually. Um, I... 
uh, think I kind of made up the diagram that I did, just so I'm not surprised it's not very useful. Basically, loads of people think that Venice is built on stilts. And it isn't. It's a kind of, I can see where that idea has come from, though. So what you've got to imagine is take a scrubbing brush. Okay. That should be appropriate. We were talking just before we started recording about the fact that you've been doing all your all your cleaning jobs yeah, today. Yeah, my housework. Yes, so I have. Have you got a scrubbing brush? I mean, oh, yes, do you get I down have. on your hands and knees? Do you? Is it like Every a proper... Yeah, proper wooden proper. bristles. Right. Yeah. Perfect. That's what you need. So... You need to imagine the brush on its back lying on the table. Okay. Okay. With the bristles all sort of dangling up in the air or whatever, shooting up in the air. So then you turn it round, you turn it upside down. So you've got the flat bit of wood and then you've got the bristles going down. Now, imagine sticking that scrubbing brush in a blob of mud, in a muddy puddle. Okay. Well, okay. not in a puddle, yeah. And then really ramming it down and then shaking it from side to side. And it's not going to go very far. No. And okay. Venice is built on the same principle. So basically, all of these houses starting kind of, I don't know, I'm going to guess here, 1100s, something like that. That's when it kind of started, probably started before then. But anyway, they, let's say some of the earliest houses date back to then. So, yes, those poles are, in fact, the bristles. If you huh. imagine, if you imagine these long tree trunks, basically, so large and all sorts of other stuff that uh, were brought down from the mainland, kind of, I think they were kind of like rafted down. I was going to say glaciers, but probably not. I'm getting, I'm getting a bit, <laughs> I'm getting a bit over the top there. Anyway, <laughs> basically, they're all, they're all brought down. They are then hammered into the, into the mud and the bedrock with these kind of really special mallety type things that are huge and that's a mallety type is uh, mallety type things yes (laughs) you know what I mean large hammers large hammers anyway so they were put in they go into the bedrock and then then rafts actual rafts of wood are built on the top so you have a raft of wood going one way and then a raft of wood with the planks going the other way then you have special stone that doesn't let the water in on top of that and then the houses are built on top of that which is pretty amazing something extraordinary happens please don't ask me to explain but there is some chemical reaction due to the fact that there's no oxygen down under the mud where these these um where the bristles are the woody bristles yeah there's something because there's no oxygen. I think basically this, the the timber kind of ossifies, or petrifies, okay. or yeah. whatever. Yeah. That, yeah, something, one of those. Anyway. Like the ship um, they found off Norfolk, the Sutton Who ship that was preserved. Was that off Norfolk? I thought they found it underground. Yes, they did. They found it underground. You fool. oh, they found it underground. Okay, I thought it was in the <laughs> in the sort of maybe. North... I know what you're thinking of. You're what am thinking, I thinking of? You're C-Henge. thinking of the Mary Rose of Portsmouth. No, that's Portsmouth. I think I was thinking of Sea Henge. Where's that? I don't know. Maybe that's a book. I must go I and remember... find these. Find this out. Anyway, sorry. Back to the scrubbing brush. No, you just reminded me of the story of the Mary Rose. Okay. My parents, who were very very good at taking me to do you know go and see stuff and remember I was an only child till I was nine so I had to be entertained or make my own entertainment which is why I have my own library but that's another <laughs> that's another story <laughs> for another time 
<laughs> Anyhow, they took me down to Portsmouth to see the lifting of the Mary Rose, oh. which I have to say was probably the sort of level of excitement of paint drying. Really? <laughs> well, it was quite a slow process. <laughs> it's not like they sort of went in and took, you know, got their crane and slung all the stuff in it and then lifted in a sling uh. and then lifted it up. But what I do remember is Prince Charles, I think unless I've imagined this or dreamt it, that Prince Charles was there Mm. and everybody was a bit shocked because Prince Charles was having a cup of coffee or tea, I don't know, out of a mug. He was having a mug of coffee or tea. But he wasn't holding it by the handle. He had his fingers through the hole where the handle is, you know, there, and he was holding it, you know. like You may well have dreamt. You may well have dreamt this. (laughs) I think you may have made that up. (laughs) Don't be dreaming about Prince Charles drinking a mug of tea. Ah, well, look, before we go any further, can I just say what an absolute delight it was on the last podcast to have Mark Diacono? Oh, he is not only is he fabulous because he is fabulous, but he is so, fabulous. He knows a lot of stuff, doesn't yeah, he? <gasps> yeah, he really does. I could listen to him and talk to him for absolutely hours. And if anybody has missed that podcast, the last one we did, then do listen to it because Mark is absolutely fascinating. Um, and, and yeah, I think we should get it back on. But actually, I think we should also this week be more Mark Diacono. In what way? In the fact that he's a good cook? I agree with you. I'm just wondering what specific way. Good cook? I think because, yes, yes, he's a good cook. But but I I love his ethos of not going for the ordinary you know, I loved the whole idea of choosing different things to grow in your garden and not just go for going for things that you can buy in any shop. And I think I, he's got a real inquisitiveness about life in general. And I, I just love his outlook on life. So I think we should be more him. I agree then. And I also think we should definitely try some more of his cocktail recipes. I've for sure. tried one, which is the... Uh, I can't remember, is it Punchy Something? Which I thought he was calling Punchy Something, which I thought was also a good name. A sort of punchy cream. Basically, it was like a really fabulous, it was way better than Bailey's. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with Bailey's, if if, if yeah, Bailey, yeah. you're listening. But anyway, it was, it was, it was really, really good. Tasty. But here, so in Venice, bringing it back to Venice, because obviously yes, that's yes, what I like yes. to do. There is a really good drink called select which is spelt like select but Mm -hmm. pronounced select there Mm. you go a little bit of insider knowledge there and it's basically everybody knows Aperol and here there is actually a whole bar devoted to Aperol which is quite interesting Mm. but what there is that is a bit stronger than Aperol still the same sort of you know it's that orange actually it's a bit redder than Aperol so whilst Aperol is orange select is red and you do the same thing with it basically you add prosecco and you add a bit of water so it's slightly stronger not as strong as campari but i think they're all roughly they're probably sort of the same kind of family ish or don't know if they're what are they made of do you know i don't know (laughs) i I realized as i started talking about it i thought (laughs) i've got no idea what is Campari made of? No, I've no what idea. What is Campari made of? That reminds me of going to the world of Coca-Cola, where you you were the the end, the kind of the the the, the zenith 
of the tour was going to the vault where the secret Coca-Cola recipe was. But <laughs> what I didn't realise, I should have probably guessed it, but what I didn't realise was that you don't get to see the secret recipe. No, of course not. <laughs> so what did you see? Uh, kind of quite a lot of advertising stuff. And uh... oh, and then you did get to taste all um, all their drinks from around the, the, the world, some of which were quite interesting. There was a really also. So there, there was something like 100 different flavours of not just Coca-Cola, but you know, all the other sort of flavoury things they, they do. I'm aware this could sound like advertising, but it's absolutely Well, not. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, but they, so they have, they they do kind of, you know, fizzy lemon drinks and whatever, clearer stuff and really, really, some really unusual stuff. But oh. there's also a whole online thread about the, the most disgusting flavour. And I went through them, I think I pretty much went through them all, just having like little sips of them all in your special oh. tasting cup. And I my favourite was one called Beverly. <laughs> Beverly. I don't know if it's... The... Beverly. like oh, Beverly. Like, like Bev. Like, okay. like um, um, what was she in? Was she in Coronation Street? Anyway, I don't know. Beverly, which is a drink, not an actor from Coronation Street. And I thought it was really good. It's Italian. So something that they make and sell or made and sold in Italy. But then when I looked at the online thread, I discovered that that flavour was the one that was most hated by everybody. It's got one of those kind of bitter tastes, you know, a bit like... Like root beer. Mm, I've never tasted root beer. That's disgusting. It's (gasps) like dental mouthwash. It's really horrible. You know now what we've got to do in in your... the wording that only you can do. You've got to get people to write in if they like yes. root beer. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Please, if anyone's listening in the States, tell us why you like root beer. Do you know what? <laughs> somebody did write in, talking about writing in, somebody did write in to say, to answer my question about brownies. Do you know when we were chatting with Mark last week and talking about what's in a brownie's pocket? Oh, yes. And I was saying, I knew we had a piece of string and a 2P piece and something else. and the answer came, and we wondered why we had a piece of string. And the answer came back that obviously it was to be prepared because you needed to yeah. be prepared. Yeah, but you did. Also, well, I remember being really jealous of the fact that scouts, no, not scouts. What were you before scouts? Cubs. Cubs. Cubs yeah. I'm sure they they were allowed a knife, but we weren't because we were ladies. I think the scouts were definitely allowed knives. Yeah. I don't know about the cubs. They were a bit little, weren't they? Well, the point of the string, though, I know it's to be prepared, but the imagination does sort of boggle a bit. I know what what it is. What that would help with. It would be if your knicker elastic went. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it would be. God, brownies was fun. I was the oldest brownie in town. I refused to give up because... I'd heard the guides was really boring. And when I was eventually retired out of the brownies, because I wouldn't go of my own accord, <laughs> I joined guides and I went for precisely two weeks and it was so boring and the sensible was brownies was just brilliant. Oh. Anyway. Do you remember your brown owl? Did you have a brown owl? Yes, I did. Owl or something? Brown owl. Brown she owl. She was great. Okay. She was great. She was a kind of guru to me at the time. But it's quite interesting looking back and... Looking at all your old, uh, the, all the badges 
that you got. I don't yeah. think there was a gardening badge. There were things like there hostess. must have been a gardening badge. There was kind Surely. of things like, no, there were no. Well, there probably was, but I wasn't interested then, was I? Mm, I don't. I don't no. really. I, don't, mm, I like the idea of a garden. I like my parents' garden. It was very nice, but was not interested in in garden. Were you interested in gardens as a as a small thing? I think I was interested in going around gardens with my mom and my grandmother. They taught me a lot of plant names from a very early age. And I think, you know, we all grew things. I'm not sure if they do that at school anymore, do they? Did, did, did you, when you were at school, did you plant up half an eggshell with cress so that it looked like hair and then drew a face on the eggshell? No, but we did grow a broad bean in a jam oh, jar yes. that yeah that, we did that we, we were did that. asked to, mm. we had to bring in the jam jar and I was really envious of my friend Colette who I was envious of it anyway because she had such a glamorous name Colette you know very Colette. Col- yeah. if you're listening now <laughs> I really was have I ever confessed but I was also really envious because she didn't bring in any ordinary jam jar she brought in one of those lemon and lime marmalade jam jars do you remember do you remember and they were a bit they just they were embossed (laughs) they were were slightly more ornate with flowers and stems you had jam jar envy yeah okay no we did that we definitely did the bean thing um but I used I loved the whole the little faces on the eggshells and the the crest became the hair it was it was very sweet but um Mm. So we're kind of moving into our gardening talk chat here, aren't we? Because I've got a question for you. Where do you stand on witch hazels, Hammermellis? Oh, well, now Mm. they are very, what's the word? Oh my God, what's happened to my brain? What's the word when it's kind of like, come hithery oh tempting tempting is the word I yes call. they're yes. very tempting aren't they very alluring with yeah. all their colors I saw a really gorgeous one the other day in a photo but I re- right okay I've got two things and then I will let you have a say because I've realized that <laughs> just launched straight in it well, I that's why I asked you I need yeah. to tell you what I think I think the yellow one the good old yellow one okay it's yellow and some people are a bit about yellow but you know what yellow in spring is a very good thing that's what I yes, think even though it's very not spring good, yeah. but could be yeah. sort of winter it's good in the, in the it's good in the winter really yellow yeah. and that one does well but the others there are fabulous ones the sort of orangey burnt red yes. sort of umbery yes. yelena and that kind of thing but don't necessarily kind of do quite so well no. although again people are going to write in and say theirs does very well indeed but I would say you need a big garden. Yeah. Yeah, you do. But okay, so I'm going to tell you my take on this. Okay. So I was walking around Wisley yesterday Ooh. and the there it was full of the most beautiful colours, as you've just been describing, burnt umbers and cinnamon and yellows, all of these witch hazels, all in full bloom. And they promise so, so much. And they delivered so little. Did I get any scent at all from any of them? No, I did not. And and I know that with them, that you do have to sort of stand a little distance away and catch it on the air. But I just think, what's the point? I think if I have 
room for some winter shrubs that are going to give me winter scent, I'm not going to go for a witch hazel. Do you know, here's the thing, I'm going to confess it, mm. that I'd almost forgotten that witch hazel had a scent. <laughs> well, quite. Might yes. you, you well might forget that. Yes, I had forgotten. Yeah. You know, you always think of Daphne's, oh, yes. fabulous. Daphne's. I think if you're going to, and also, and also a winter sweet. Yep. Yeah, Very and the shrubby good. honeysuckles, the lemony-scented yep. lanicera, and sarcococca. I mean, you know, you can't really go wrong with a great mm, swathe of that. I am a bit, how's your father about sarcococca? Okay. I find it quite uplifting, but I know what you mean. It can be quite potent. It's but a, but it's it, a bit it, of a sort of mm, chemically, there's something that's not quite right, whereas Daphne... Yes, oh, Daphne, you understand why you can yeah, you know, absolutely. Just devote a whole space of that near your front doorstep or your back doorstep, somewhere yeah. near, somewhere where you walk past. It's got to be but sheltered, which, hasn't it? But which well. hazel, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the colours yeah. are great and yeah. so on and so forth. But I just reckon you do have to, you do have to have quite a big space you for do. it. You do, because for the rest of the year, let's face it, they're very dull as so well. So where is, so you know you have witch hazel to kind of like put on a wound. I know what you're going to ask me and I don't have a clue. (laughs) It's where does the bit of witch hazel come, which makes your cut knee better? Where does it come from? I think Mark would have known that, but but I don't know that. So I'm going to have to look that up. Maybe it's the bark. It might be the bark. bark? Or do you Mm. make a kind of a brew of the twigs? No. We're going to have to find this out. So someone's going to have to tell us, I think, about this. Which hazel water? Come on, let's think about this. Maybe it is brewed. I reckon, okay, I'm going to take a random stab in the dark here, is that all the bits are put in a big kind of distill, a still, a still. Like you, when like you say all gin. the bits, you mean the whole plant, not the whole tree, silly thing. But think, <laughs> you know, just just things like you know, so the twigs, the barks, the leaves, and I reckon they're put in a a big still like you make gin in, and then it's distilled with water, and then Bob's your uncle. That's what I reckon. But I am not. But you I, are I'm, making that up. So what I'm going to do is actually Google this while we are talking because I can't leave this because otherwise I sound like a complete fool. And I'm getting to which hazel is a plant. The leaf, bark ah. and twigs are used. I was not reading this to make medicine. You were right. You may see a product called which hazel water. This is a liquid that's distilled from dried leaves, bark, and partially dormant twigs of witch hazel. My <laughs> God, I think I must have learned that from a pub quiz or something. Witch hazel is taken by mouth for diarrhea, okay, okay. Uh, colds, fevers, mm-hmm. and you apply to the skin for itching and skin injury. I never yeah. knew you could take yeah. it internally. I never knew you could. I mean, you're, you obviously you've got that lovely kind of gel stuff that you put on your hand when you get burnt. I never knew you could eat it. It's also these medications are also good for treating insect bites. Yes, things and hemorrhoids. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> I'd hope you'd have to sieve it, strain it first, otherwise <laughs> you could get into all sorts of problems. <laughs> yes, great big twigs. 
Anyway, on that anyway, note, on that what, note so, what so, so going back to going back to just go back to Venice Gardens because because you've explained how Venice is a scrubbing brush and I've got that now. So the the wooden bit of the scrubbing brush is the the platform, if you like, on which Venice is built. So what then? They imported soil into these gardens and that's where they grow. So it must be a very a very shallow yeah, they're quite shallow. Soil. They are. They're shallow and quite a few of the gardens, the planting areas are raised a little bit. So they, they grab another kind of foot or so in the garden. You know, you, you then have a rate like raised beds, I suppose, essentially. Mm. But it's extraordinary how some of these tree, you know, there are some huge trees here. So their roots, a lot of them have just become adapted to the kind of brackish water they call it salmastro which is a which is a sort of brackish so a bit salty bit whatever because you've got two types the lagoon i'm gonna get all technical again but the lagoon has got water coming in from the from the rivers and also water coming in from the sea so you've got this kind of mix of water that that Mm. um that creates this kind of this specific environment but you've also got the fact that it's windy yeah it's exposed i mean it's not windy in the city but on a windy day my goodness you feel it it Mm -hmm. really does and it's cold at the moment you know it chills you to the bone just like it does anyway it's a four layer day i'd say for sure i am actually not really doing very much in the garden i'm looking at gardens but i am definitely not in my garden this week what are you not doing in your garden this week well, what I'm not doing is, I, well, I'm not doing anything. And and actually, what was really nice was to go, going back to Wisley and walking around yesterday, to see that they had left all the leaves on the borders as a lovely mulch. Um, and I think they were, they were letting lawns recover by not letting people walk on them. And I did what we were talking about a few weeks ago, which was get out and have a winter walk and and look at what's going on in uh, plant wise i mean the stems of all the cornices were looking amazing the um the, there were some crocuses little tiny ones just peeking up but there were cyclamen cyclamen coom i think probably is what was what was uh, up and showing that and does look really pretty really pretty doesn't it really the- pretty lovely a little heart shaped leaves they're so cute um, and snowdrops coming up. I mean, you know, not oh. not huge swathes of them yet, but but enough, you know, to lift the spirits. So, so that's yeah, that's what I'm doing. Not doing anything in my own garden at all. Good. So you absolutely did what you said you were going to do. I'm really yeah. impressed with yeah. that. Yeah. I, on the other hand, have been crossing out quite a lot of things on my to do list and moving them to the next day. <laughs> so you've done your to do you know you've done what you said you were going to do and I've been kind of moving I don't know if you ever did this revision timetables when my revision timetable was always a work in progress it was very flexible and things would get crossed out and moved every day while I spent the the day when I should have been revising probably learning the lyrics to another Duran Duran song yeah which I still know perfectly you know 35 (laughs) years later uh, 30 years later uh, 25 years whatever and <laughs> I have been doing quite a lot of that this week kind of move as things pile up all my boring 
to-dos have kind Add of many stuff have have gone to the bottom but I got to the point where I was drawing a little a little box to kind of put a tick in next to the thing that I needed to do oh, because and oh, ticking it and crossing it out that. so I was doing double you know I was tr- really trying to make myself there's there's nothing like ticking things off a list it's one of my favorite things although I think I pre- having said that thinking about it I prefer actually crossing out where do you know I like that? oh no 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 crossing out is messy I like a tick and can I tell you I'll let you into a small secret which is just probably <laughs> we'll tell you about the workings oh my of my mind okay right. so some, sometimes I write on my list things that I've already done so I can tick them off <laughs> oh my god you're so weird sometimes does anybody else do that let us know let us know am I the only weird one who does that it just gives you that sense of fulfillment, doesn't it? I mean, otherwise, but look at it this way. If I did something that wasn't on my list, I'm cheated out of being able to tick it off. So how how is your Italian? I mean, I obviously you're you're doing well because you told you were able to explain directions to Italians. So it's um it's good. Yeah, it's it's always more fluent when I'm watching a Netflix series dubbed in Italian with Italian subtitles or no or even in English with Italian subtitles you know what it's like it's like watching do, a yeah. Scandi noir and you think yes. you're absolutely fluent in Danish yes. and then when it comes to it when you actually meet a real life Dane not a hope not a <laughs> that's, clue. that's so true that's so true you end up really believing that you can speak it, don't you? Yeah. It's really weird. But, okay. but talking about kind of strange or, well, it's not Australian. Italian is not a strange language. I'm half Italian. It's not strange at all. But maybe undecipherable words. The other day, you reminded me the other day when I messaged you and I messaged I-K-R and you came back saying, what? What is that? Yeah. What, do you, what, do, what do you mean? And I said, it's what youth says when they mean (laughs) i know right it's like a sort of it's a really good yeah it's a it's a good one yeah yeah and there are other like brb uh oh come on you know that no i don't know that yes you do what is it be right back oh be right back okay all right okay well there was the one i told you the other day tldr which sounds like transport for London dot <laughs> too long, railway. Too long didn't read. Oh uh, yeah, you see, I can't. Uh, mm. I couldn't remember that. That then that's not going to sink in. So, are there equivalents? Is that what you're going to tell me in Italian? No, it's just where my mind went. I can't imagine there's any equivalent at all. Um, but it's. <laughs> there might be but don't you find and so just so that listeners know where we're coming from with this joe is half italian and you also lived over there uh young when you were younger and i am a quarter italian and also lived over there when i was younger so we have lots of lovely memories of of living over there and and um and speaking the language to a degree um but yeah, I know what you mean. You you can really, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I think when I lived there, I certainly found myself, you know, starting to almost dream in Italian. And then I remember coming back to the UK 
and experiencing the fact that there were some times where I wanted to say something, but there just wasn't a really good way of doing it in English. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So there was a really, mm. there's, there were some fantastic phrases, some fantastic things in Italian, like the word casino, for example, which it, yeah. is that there isn't really an exact equivalent in English. It's kind of... So it's spelt like it's casino, isn't it? Yes, Although casino right. in Italian, if you're going to the casino to spend yeah, that's the supermarket pounds, you're, go, you're yeah. going to the casino yes that's exactly casino. exactly but the casino which is that real oh what a mess yeah. what a what a what chaos a, yeah yeah is i'm trying to think how you yeah it's, there's no equivalent is there what a mess what a what a fiasco pickle. Pickle? pickle yeah pickle yeah. isn't yeah pick, pickle is too gentle a word but there's so many but it's the same in all languages isn't it so that so in one language there'll be however many words for snow and yeah we've got quite a lot of weather words haven't we, we do <laughs> we certainly do we've got words for all different clouds yes that's right yeah but there are some there are some excellent phrases that you'll you'll not hear anywhere else and one of them actually was a new word to me it basically I discovered it the other day when I was tootling along in Venice and I saw people looking in one direction oh you know and again like you do like I do a bit of a sheep some turn around see what they're (laughs) looking at and there if you imagine the Venetian skyline there were mountains behind it and I was like what the actual flip is going on and you'd never noticed that before no I hadn't really thought about it you know Venice is in a lagoon but Venice is really near the Dolomites okay okay when there's when when all things are in line for the perfect day so when it's cold when the wind has blown away the the kind of the 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 pollution that hangs over the mainland because the mainland nearby is quite industrial. So when that happens, and then when the light is whatever the light is, and it's winter, it normally happens in winter. You can see straight through to the to the mountains, uh, wow. which are kind of less than a hundred kilometers away, and they call it. They call this phenomenon, the Italians mm. call this meteorological phenomenon, stravedamento. And wow. this is it comes from because I looked this up, it comes from a mainland, they think it's from a mainland fishing area called Chioggia. Uh they have a, a, a certain dialect, and stravedere is a word basically the fishermen used to use this word stravedamento to mean clear horizon. Oh, so it's wow. good, I suppose, good weather for fishing, I suppose, or good yeah. weather for finding your way home anyway. And the but the word itself is really good because it means kind of you know when you convinced that you could have sworn you saw somebody but you didn't yeah. you would stravedere yeah. them so you'd say oh okay. yeah so yeah and so it's got a bit of a sort of so it can have other uses I mean it's just you know it just happens to be used for this particular 
meteorological try saying that yeah quite but but it can be used in other instances then for things that yeah yeah Yeah, but we don't have that no but there you go a nice that's a lovely word though bit of semantics there is that semantics etymology yeah linguistics something no there are some really lovely words in italian that I, i think you know i miss I miss speaking and saying those words, funnily enough. It's quite strange. Well, you could say them. You could just carry on saying them. I could. People might think I was quite strange, but yeah. Yeah, but do you really mind? No, not really. Just coming back to one of our very favourite themes, biscuit of the week. Now that you're in Venice, is there a biscuit of the week over there you'd like to posit, put forward? Well, I stupidly didn't follow my own advice the other day and I got very excited in a shop where I was convinced I'd found those kind of rich tea finger things or whatever they're called that I was trying to explain the other day basically rich tea flavored but long and thin anyway I bought them in a in a fit of excitement and when I got them home realized they absolutely weren't them at all they were solid anyway I should follow Yes, Our accept advice. no imitation. Accept no imitations. However, I have to say that this time of year is a very special time of year in Venice. For And it's not quite biscuits, okay? I'm going to be a bit kind of, I, I want a bit of leeway with, with this theme. And I am going to put forward as my my cake of the week. <gasps> If We're that's all right. I know, okay. I know. Well, I, I, have no, to. I, I allow you to do I'm that going because you're in to Venice. Have to because I can't. I've got a whole tin full of those other disappointing, not rich, rich tea biscuits available to talk to you about. But I can't. I can't get excited about them. And I want to be. You know, this. The whole point of this. This podcast is that it's jolly and we talk about positive things. So yes, okay, I have so got something very positive. positive cake. To tell you. Go on then. Right. So. We are approaching carnival time in Venice, which starts on kind of Shrove Tuesday, I suppose, or a bit before that. No, it doesn't. I'm lying. It starts probably starts a week before that. Anyway, it runs for two weeks and it is a story for another time. But basically all sorts of merriment goes on. But the wonderful thing is you have a cake which only appears at carnival time Mm. which is really good because I think that's kind of seasonal eating really so basically you stuff your face full of these cakes which are called fritelle and what they are are very small donuts kind of and they've got bits in so some of some of them have some of them have and some of them haven't okay so some have the so the ones that are called the Veneziana ones are basically the Venetian fritelle are like little lumps of like little donuts with sultanas and bits and bobs in honestly Mm. they're nicer than they sound but then you have filled ones as well so you can have them with cream with sabayone Mm. uh, with whipped cream with all sorts and you see people wandering around Watching from place to place with their little wrapped tray full of oh. fritelle, which they bought for breakfast because you have oh, cake for breakfast cake for here. Breakfast. And I have. 
got one now for those of you who are listening obviously this is this is words and not visuals but I'm going to give you some audio of rattling paper and I have got in front of me this beautifully wrapped parcel and I'm unwrapping it and in front of me there is this <gasps> tiny little donut which are you going to bite into it Nina. no because i've eaten one already <laughs> oh, <so laughs> i little. can't eat yeah i know but honestly can you sort of hold donut? it up to the microphone and just sort of break it open or something can you smell that guys oh, it smells like mm. donut smell through the microphone oh, so this nice. is i don't know smell audio oh. it's really good oh man that smells good i'm i'm going to accept oh. this i'm going to accept this as your biscuit cake of the week and i'm going to tell you that it really brings back a very strong memory from when i was living in florence and I was much, much younger. So in my 20s, when I would actually go out dancing at night and at about three o'clock in the morning when the nightclubs kicked out, we would go to the back of a bakery and along with lots and lots of you know, young people from across the city would turn up there. And the smell coming out of the back of this bakery was unbelievable. And you would buy... Bombolone. Bombolone, big bombs. Big donuts, yeah. From from the bake from the back oh. of the bakery, just literally straight out of the oven, literally just cooked. And they were not like English ones. They don't have jam in them. Sometimes they have, you know, a kind of creamy mm. what do you call it? Sometimes they had Yeah, like a sort of a patisserie cream kind yeah, of Yeah, creme patisserie, something like that. And sometimes it would be chocolate, but not not chocolate chocolate creamy patisserie kind of and cream then chocolate all washed down with a big oh, cup of hot chocolate with a cup of hot chocolate, chocolate which in italy is it's not melted like chocolate. yeah it's basically just melted chocolate yeah that yeah. is what with I a bit of cream in it so oh, man that is good and yeah. i remember that being a sort of post disco thing as well it's what you did yeah, three o'clock in did. the morning Go off to the baker's. That's have right. a big mug of hot chocolate. Oh, it's a it's a very it's a very civilized. Very civilized. I know. Well, I mean, you you'd probably burnt off a fair amount of calories dancing and so on. So there you go. And that was oh. So yeah, I allow you to have that as the biscuit of the week, even though it's a cake or a donut. Thank you very much. And next week it's going to be your turn because I do realise again that I I can monopolise the biscuit conversation <laughs> because I have very strong opinions. You do. So I'd you like do. you to. Okay. Okay. I promise. I promise that I won't dismiss it in the way that I've dismissed the Marmite cheese. Yeah, <gasps> you see, that's what puts me off. You'll make your noise, and you'll. I know. I know. If well, it's anything with chocolate on it, you're not going to like it. For example, but I like chocolate. Isn't that a weird mm. thing? I love chocolate, but I don't. Okay. I just don't like it. On okay, other. well, I'm going to think about it very carefully to come up with something that I think you might accept. Yes, you put your thinking cap on. I shall. Right. So, rich picking of the week. What's Mine yours? is that which hazels don't always smell as good as you expect them to smell yes totally accept that as a rich picking um but I'm... but on a positive note that you could try possibly making your own witch hazel water yeah but just i think i'd be careful before you start drinking it 
And I'm going to say my rich picking is Venice is an upside down scrubbing brush. Genius. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rich Pickings. And if you've enjoyed it, please do give us a rating or a review, a nice review. A nice review. A nice review on on whatever platform you listen to it on, because that's just really helpful. And it is really lovely reading your comments that you've been sending in as well. So thank you ever so much. And oh, we've got some goodies in store for you next time. Yeah, look forward to it. Bye.